No need to come in person, we have the Zoom. As long as I'm here in person, that's the main thing. Everybody else can just be remote. Rabbi, the new building, we should have LA parking. <laughs> I <can> guarantee. <laughs> okay, valet parking. Hey, I like that. Valet parking and uh, continental breakfast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, Abotai. It's Friday mornings, Erev Shabbat. I must. Uh, remind our members that I don't choose the parasha. That was predetermined by the Boreh and the Hachamim that established that we read one parasha a week. And therefore, I didn't choose parasha Tazriya. It was chosen for me. I say that because I don't want anybody to have claims. Yeah, what's this guy talking about parasha Tazriya for? It's complicated stuff. There is no way to make this stuff easy. I have to tell you that from the beginning. And it's not, there's no narrative over here. So, so for those of you that came this morning to hear Bible stories, uh, you're in the wrong place. There's no way you could make this fun or make this, you know, untechnical. It's just, it's just tough stuff. You're talking about, you know, korbanot, tum'at, taharat, sara'at. You know, if you can get through the parashat just with a, a cursory interpretation of Perush Rashi, you know, then already we'll, we'll give you uh, a big Hazakh Baruch, let alone to make a deeper analysis that we like to do on the Friday morning shiur. It's not so easy. I'm not apologizing to anybody. But I'm just letting you know that, like they say, it is what it is. With that being said, let's try to make some uh, observations from the Hachamim in Parashat uh, so let's start. So the beginning of the parasha talks about Ishaki So she gives birth. She gives birth to a baby boy, Samantov, and she has Tum'ah for seven days. And then it says, uh, on the eighth day you do a brit milah, Samantov. And then for 33 days, she is what's called sitting on Deme Tahara, the blood that comes out of her is not Tameh. And therefore, for those 33 days, after the seven days, she's allowed not to be with her husband again. However, she's not out of the woods yet. She's not allowed to come in contact with Kodesh. She cannot go into the Mikdash. She cannot eat Tiruma, certainly Kadashim. When? Until when? Until she finishes her process, which is Now, if she gives birth to a female, so it's the same thing but different. Right? It's exactly the same but different. Which is, she is Temeah for 14 days. After 14 days, she goes to the mikveh. Now she's allowed to be with her husband. But again, for the next 66 days, she's not allowed to come in contact with Tunuman, Kadashim, and the Beit HaMikdash. So what is, the, uh, what is the trigger that allows her 
to eat teruma and to enter the mikdash. What does she have to do? Ubimlot yemet tahora leben or lebat. When the yemet Torah finishes, either for the ben or for the bat, tabi kebes ben shenatol leola or ben yona otol lehatat. So she has to bring a korban ola and she has to bring a korban hatat. Let's start with that. So she brings for her ola a kevis. Kevis is a sheep, and a benyona otor, and a bird for hatat. I'm not too sure exactly why she's bringing any of these korbanot, especially why would she have to bring a korban hatat. As far as I remember, it's not a sin to give birth. I mean, what, what, what sin did she commit by giving birth? I mean, unless, she, I don't know. But she's got to bring a korban hatat. It's not like she was mehalel anything over here. She gave birth. On the contrary, they should give her the, uh, the Nobel Peace Prize. And instead, you know, they tell her after she, she gave birth, you know, uh, shame on you. And so, so what's that all about? But the Torah comes along and says she has to bring a hatat. And then the Torah comes along and says, "Vikribod if Hashem." Okay, pasuk head. V'imlotim sayada dese. So if she can't afford it, right? She's aniyah. V'imlotim sayada dese. She can't afford a sheep. You know, sheep are expensive, as you know. Price is going up. Inflation. Today, even birds are expensive. Uh, everything's, everything's expensive. What is she going to bring? So v'lakehash etetorim. So then she brings bird offerings. Two doves or turtle doves or regular doves. Abud will tell us the difference after the class between a turtle dove and a regular dove. I think it's like a pigeon. Again, one for Ola, one for Hatat. So whether she's rich or whether she's poor, she did a sin. That's for sure she's got to atone for something. The only difference is when it comes to the Hatat, they're both birds. It's interesting. Whether she's rich, she brings a bird. And whether she's poor, she brings a bird. The Hatat, it's only the Ola that, that changes. Are we clear on that? Because in Pasuk He it said, in Pasuk Vab it said, Tavi keves ben le'ola yona le'hatat. So even if she's rich, the bird is always for the Hatat. Regardless. The, the, the differentiation is going to be in the Ola. A rich lady for Ola brings keves, and a poor lady brings a bird as well. And the question is, why is the disparity in the, hata, in the Ola and not in the Hatat? Why does the Hatat stay the same and the Ola change? Fair question? So I have a, a rabbi that you might have heard of. He asks the question as follows. Sarikh ta'am lama biyoledet haleka Torah be'olata ben aniya la'ashira v'hatata le'olam of. It's exactly the question. Who asked this? The author of the Sefer Ta'ma Dekra. Ta'ma Dekra is with Chaim Karievsky, Allah v'shalom. So that is his question. So we're learning his Torah now that he passed away. We have to mahazek. I actually uh, bought my set of Ta'amad Ikra, my copy, from the author himself. Allah b'shalom. 
one, one of my early trips in the 80s when I was by Rav Chaim, when I want this book, they're black, you know, there's no, they're very un, uh, unglamorous, the books, just a black cover with a, with a name on it, nothing, that's it. And then in the beginning of the book, it says this book was printed on paper that there is no hashash of Hilul Shabbat. That's a good book. Even the paper is glad kosher. So if, if, if a guy's writing a book on glad kosher paper, you can assume what he's writing on the book is also going to be glad kosher. Now look, the problem is, today, the paper isn't kosher, and what's written on the paper isn't kosher. So the, whole, the whole book is uh, tarif. So anyway, he asked the, uh, he asked the question. So he says, go to Masech Nida, page 31. Oh, so the Gemara asked that question. The Mishra Bar Yochai asked the question. Why is she bringing the Korban at all? What sin did she do that you're making her bring a Korban Chatat? So it says, Because when she's in heavy labor, So she makes a Shavuah, I will never be with my husband again. It's his fault. He got me into this mess. He didn't have any birthing pains. He didn't have any morning sickness. He did what he did. He went on his merry way. And he left me over here now to brunt this, uh, you know, uh, curse of childbirth. I said, I'm not doing it again. And therefore, as a general rule in marriage, it's the husband's fault. Nothing changed. This is for the um, hatat. So the Gebarah comes along and says, Matkif lad of Yosef. What do you mean? She, she did this b'mezid. So first of all, you know, no korban uh, on, on, a, on a mezid. And secondly, korban she has to be a korban shivu'ah. There's a korban on a shivu'ah, not on a regular korban. So he says a big hiddush. That's the Gemara's question. He says, Ah. Even Rabbi Shimon holds, she didn't actually make a mamash a shivu'ah. And then she would need hatara also. Kurban's not going to get rid of a shivu'ah. And the Torah does not mention anything about hatara over here. Oh, she was mad it. In her mind, she said, I'm never going to do this again. And the Torah, who knows how to read minds very well. And therefore, it says in Bereshit Rabbah, he says, he brought an ayah from a midrash, Merafrefet belibah. Merafrefet belibah, so it's a hazal. Now we know what type of korban is mechaper for hidhur. Korban olah is mechaper on hidhur. So therefore the Gemara's question is, why does she have to bring a... Uh, a korban olah. That's the way of Chaim's learning. Why is it being a korban olah? I'll tell you why. Because her sin is bedhud. And therefore, when it comes to sin bedhud, you have to be a korban olah. Kemosh katabirushan mishavuot. Velachen amrat Torah. Beolah shiye kemo korban shavuah. Now we know that when it comes to korban that you bring on a shavuah, that's one of the cases where there's olah yored. Korban Shavu'ah is a type of Korban that fluctuates according to the economic status of the sinner. If the one that makes the Shavu'ah is rich, Oleh. If the one is poor, Yoreh. 
So there was, since the Olah is coming to atone for the Hirhud of the Shavuah and Korban Shavuah fluctuates, so that's why in the Torah, the Ashirah brings a keves and the Aliyah will bring a bird. Because it's connected to Shavuah, and we know by again, Korban Shavuah is whatever you read. Lachen yesh chilut ben ani la'ashir. Aba la'hatat, eno mishum tum'ah, eno ela mishum tum'ah. Oh, the hatat is because of tum'ah. And therefore, kemo zavah, like a regular zavah, that has to be a Korban. Lachen mevi'a tamid of ke zavah. Any zavah that brings a Korban after her tum'ah, brings it off. So therefore, it's unbelievable, beautiful explanation. The Tum'ah, the Hatat is coming, Medin what? Tum'ah. And therefore what? Tum'ah, the regular law of a Sabah, brings it off. Doesn't matter whether she's rich or poor. But the Olah, that's coming, Medin Shibu'ah, and the way of Chaim adds, Hirhur Shibu'ah, and by the Qurban Shibu'ah, Yesh Chiluk Ben Ashira Le'aniyah, so that gives the Chiluk. Nice? Beautiful. That's a... A beautiful, beautiful, just a simple explanation why, why it's like that. Good. Now. How does it answer the chayt? Fine. Very good. That's the way he's learning the Gemara. All right, now we have to read the comments of Rashi. So Rashi says over here, in the beginning of Pasuk, uh, Pasuk Chet, V'im lo timsay adad deseg, if she can't afford it, V'lakihad shetet torim, V'had le'ola v'had le'hatat. Answer me a simple question, gentlemen. Which korban does she bring first? I'll read you the pasuk. Ehad le'ola, ve'ehad le'hatat. I would say you follow the order. Ehad le'ola, ve'ehad le'hatat. That's what I would say. But I go to Rashi, and Rashi comes along and says, No, lo higdima ha'katuv ena le'mikra'a. The only way, why we want the Torah said, that's only when she consecrates it. In the consecration, in the mikra'ah, in the kiri'at kodesh, when she consecrates it, she has to consecrate the olah before the hatat. Aval la hakrava, hatat kodem la olah. Oh, Hadush. It's good I read that she over here. Because if my wife would have to bring the korban, I would have told her, make sure you bring the olah first. And she would say, how do you know what I was saying? Had the olah, had the hatat. And then she would say, you forgot to read Rashi. Rashi says that you consecrate the Olam before the Hatat, but you don't bring only the Hatat first. Very nice. Now the problem we have over here, and this shows you how beautiful Rashi is, and is, how precise he is. Is this the first time it mentions Olam before Hatat in this chapter? No. 
if you go to Pasuk Vav in the Qurban of the Ashir, this was by the Qurban of the Aliyah. In the Qurban of the Ashirah, what did it say? Tavi Kevis ben Shinato le Ola, or ben Yona Oto le Hatat. It also put Ola before Hatat. So why didn't that she? Hazaku Baruch Jacob. Why didn't she over there jump and say, hey, Rabbi Sai, don't think that you bring the Ola before the Hatat. That's only the Mikra'ah, but it's not for Hakrava. He waited for the Qurban of the Ani to tell me a comment that would have been just as, you know, applicable to the Qurban of the Ashira. By the way, uh, um, If you look at the Siftah HaChamim, Siftah HaChamim, he comes along and says, He has a different explanation of what Kiryam is. That's like I said. When you're reading, when you're reading the Sefer Torah, you read the Hada Olav Hada Hatat. Okay, obviously, because that's the way it's written. Aval Akraba. Now, the Hada Lo Piresh Le'el. Why didn't he explain it above? Dekhtiv Tami Kemes Ben Shinaton Le'olav Ben Yonaton Le'Hatat. So he asked that question, the Siftah HaChemim. I want to ask another question the Siftah HaChemim doesn't ask. You ready for it? Now hold on to your seats. This is going to be a very strong question I'm going to ask. The Pasuk says, Echad Le'ola, Echad Le'Hatat. Rashi says, don't believe it. Don't bring it like that. Echad Le'ola, Echad Le'Hatat. Bring the Hatat before the Ola. And I'm asking Anashi, how does he know that? How does he know to tell me that don't learn means to bring it like that, which that's what it sounds to me. Then she goes, no, when it comes to bringing it, that comes first. How does he know it? She says, oh, well, that's not a question. He quoted the Gemara Zibahim. Okay, so then my question is, how does the Gemara Zibahim know? Are you happy? So, so we, we, we got Anashi off the hook. That she could come along and say, what do you want from me? You pick it on me. I have the Gemara Zabarim that said it. Okay, so now I have a right to go ask the Gemara Zabarim. When you read the text, how do you see that it's Lav Davka? That Adraba, Hadda Ulam Hadda is only the Hakra'ah, but not the Hakra'ah. So I think, and I saw this in Sefarim, there's a Sefer called Or Yashah that answers this. We're going to answer one question with the other. If we can figure out the reason how the Gemara knew that this is Lab Dafka, then we can understand why Nashi waited. Yeah, we're going to answer one question and we're going to get a two for one over here. Let's go to the Pasuk I skipped. I, I taught you Pasuk Vav and I taught you Pasuk Chet. Now let's go to Zion. That's right in between. What does the Pasuk say? Ve'ekribo lefne Hashem. And the... Um, Person will bring the Qurban in front of Hashem. You say do you see something problematic with this Pasuk? There's something majorly problematic with it. How many Qurbanot did we just say the lady brings? Two. And the Pasuk says Vikribo. Vikribo is 
Singular. It should say Bekribam. So we have a problem over here. We have a problem with that. What's Bekribo? You just told me, Had the Olam, Had the Hatta. So it should say Bekribam. Ma'az Bekribo. So Baruch Hashem, she handles that for us all. Without that, she. We in Hanu Shum, you know, Sikun. Rashi. Lelamedcha. She'en me'akevam le'echol ba'kodashim elai had mehem. To eat kodashim, she only has to bring one of the two. And which one? Ve'ezehu ze'chatat. She'ne'emar me'chipel aleha. Mishu ba'lechapel. So therefore, what's the one that's coming from me'chapel? The chatat. Very nice. So that she told us a big kedush over here. That when it says ve'kribo, it means the hatat is the main one, and that's what allows her to bring and to eat kadashim. Good? Now, if, if you had to bring the ola first, so you're never bringing the hatat alone. You're always bringing the ola and then the hatat. So by the time you bring the hatat, it's always going to be the hikribam. So must be from the fact that the Torah says be hikribo, from that you learn that the hatat must come first. If you're telling me that the previous pasuk that said had the ola, the had the hatat means exactly like it says. The ola first, then the hatat. So, so by the time you brought the hatat, you brought the ola already. So it's, it's never vehikribo. It's always going to be vehikribam. So how do you have a mitziut? How do you have a mitziut vehikribo? Ela the Torah was telling she bring the hatat first. How do I know I bring the hatat first? So the word vehikribo. Evantem. So therefore, in pasuk vav, when it says had the ola, had the hatat, I don't know. What, where is the Gilui that tells me the order? Pasuk Zayat. Go slow. But that goes down. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Before you get all upset, and before you attack me, that she said it's the Hatat. I said, I think, and I think that she says. You want to go argue that she says it's hatat. Now watch. So the vehikribo means what? You brought one. Which one did you bring that she says? The hatat. Where's the ola? You see that ola always comes second. So that's how we know that in Pasuk Vav when it says the ola, the hatat. We only know the order until we get the Pasuk Zayin. So therefore, where does the she then tell us the order? After Pasuk Zayin, where it says Vekribo, in Pasuk Het by the Qurban of the Ani, that she says, now we know for sure that the Hatat has to come before the Olai. It couldn't tell us that in Pasuk Vav. Because in Pasuk Vav, we didn't know it yet. Because I didn't have the Pasuk of Vekribo. So in Pasuk Vav, Rashi says, I, I don't know, I'm not going to say anything over it to me. It sounds like the Ola comes before the Hatat. That's what it says. Then Pasuk Zayin came to Bekribo. Oh, this is coming to tell me that the Hatat must come first. 
Now, in the next pasuk, I can tell you, Rabotai, it's confirmed. After I got pasuk Zayn, this is Mikri I can make a conclusive statement based on the Gemara that tells us what? The Hatat concerns. I, it says, Olav, the Hatat, that's the Hakra'ah, and not the Hakra'ah. So the flow of Rashi is, if Rashi would have said it in Pasuk Vav, you jumped the gun. How do you know what in Pasuk Vav? You have no indication in Pasuk Vav which comes first. But after I get the Pasuk Zayn, the Kribo, now, now I know. Oh, now once I know, now I can present you that Hadush. Because already the Pasuk indicated it to me. So you see, even the placement of where Rashi decides to put these ideas is significant. Why does she wait? She's waiting because it has to be in the, in the Seder of the Rivari. If he would have wrote it in the first Pasuk, Pasuk Vav, you would ask, how does he know? But now that he wrote it in Pasuk Hed, you don't have that question anymore. You know how he knows, because you read Bekri Mo already. So therefore he presents it to you. After the Torah tells it to us, in one word, Bekri Mo, now already we have to learn, once Bekri Mo is like that, that is Lav It's Lav in both places. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful interpretation. So that's that. Now, let's get to some, uh, some more technical stuff. This morning in the uh, Shi'ur, after the Gemara class, some of our members were, you know, they were complaining like they, uh, like they tend to. Usually they complain about something that the rabbi did. But this morning, Baruch Hashem, they were diverted to other things. And therefore, I was off their radar for a few minutes. So they were able to, you know, vent about something else besides the rabbi's behavior or the rabbi's, you know, whatever, whatever the rabbi's doing. Which was, you know, a relief. Baruch Hashem, that, you know, somebody else was getting their, uh, their criticism. What was the criticism this morning? Prowl gouging. Rabbi, did you see the prices over here that they're charging for uh, a dozen eggs for Pesach, kosher for Pesach for eggs, or kosher for Pesach for coffee, $15 a jar, or uh, the matzot, or uh, that's it. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, used to be you go to the supermarket for $200 in your pocket, you come out with, you know, a full wagon of, uh, of goods. Today, $200. That's it. $200, you go on the express line. <laughs> you know, four items or less. That's it. 200 bucks. You're good. That's, that's, a, that's the express line. So, this is a uh, this is definitely a concern by our members. And, and a lot of it is gouging. You'd be surprised. They told me now in Florida, for example, is that they, they were selling these coffees for $15 a, uh, you know, a, uh, instant coffee, no less. It's not like, you know, you're getting, uh, you know, some barista special uh, blend. You're getting uh, a Lieber's, uh, you know, unspecial blend for 15 bucks a clip. So another guy came along and said, you know, he's opened up a store and said, we're going to sell it for what it's worth, three ninety nine. So you see, there's a, there's a problem with that. Somebody's, somebody's making a lot of money. Kosher uh, pass over sugar. Yeah, that's a product that doesn't have to be kosher for Passover. It's like kosher for Passover uh, air. You know? But, but, you know, it sounds very, very, very much more religious to have kosher Passover salt than to just have the regular domino, five-pound salt that does not have a kosher Passover. Now, here's the where, 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 where is the 
connect between hametz and sugar. How, how, how do they come together? Those two things, the chaurah, don't really have too much uh, connection. But so what? Just put a kosh bis of a stamp on it, and ink is a lot of money. That extra stamp that they have to put on the label, boom, <coughs> triples the price. So the people come along and start to say, hey, this is a, it's a racket over here. Okay, so in the olden days, the good news is nothing changed. As much as you think things are different, King Solomon was right when he said, En kol hadash there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, Scalia used to say, you know, be careful when they tell you it's unprecedented. Nothing is unprecedented. Everything that happened today happened once in a you, you, just, you, still, you don't know the 5,700 years of history. So therefore, to you, it's unprecedented. It never happened before. For example, <laughs> pandemic. Unprecedented. Well, unprecedented. There was pandemics from uh, Rabbi John. I mean, there was polio, and there was bird flu, and then and, and Spanish flu, and, and much more people died during those pandemics. And there was also uh, hospital, uh, you know, uh, is that over being overwhelmed? It's just that what? It's unprecedented because it never happened to you. It was the first time it ever happened in the world. Maybe to a different degree, or to a higher degree, or to a less, but it's the same, the same old, same old. But again, it's a great word to use if you want to catch somebody's attention. If you want to tell about time, this is unprecedented. Oh, wow, it's unbelievable. And I'm alive for this. I'm here. Unbelievable. What odds I have? I'm, I'm present for this unprecedented event. And he's telling you, don't give yourself so much credit. It happened many times before. You just don't know about it. And uh, you know, and, and, and he holds that it's a, it's it's a problem. It's not just. Inaccurate, but if you don't believe that things happened already, you won't learn from them. You'll think that you don't have a guide. You'll think that, right, just the first time it's happening, so therefore I have nowhere to turn to for, for guidance. But if you believe that things repeat themselves, so go see how they dealt with it uh, then. And then you start to see, oh, they did this, or oh, this was right, this was a mistake. You know, by saying unprecedented, you, you forfeit the ability to learn from the history. Oh, that's a, that's a opinion of the, of, the, of the great judge, Allah Bashar. Now, so we see over here the same thing. When you come with all price gouging, you know, the prices for Passover products are going through the roof. Unprecedented. It's not. It's been going on since the times of the Mishnah. And uh, I have a Mishnah over here in Kiritut. Okay. Kiritut. This is Temura, but it's close enough. Kiritut is Aleph Vav. It is Kiritut. Oh, this is the story. Or, or Zion. האישה שיש עליה חמש לידות ודאות. So she has five births. Can you remember? Every year she's producing. חמש לידות ודאות. מביאה קורבן אחד. She only, now, 
We said that every time she gives birth, sound like she has to bring had le'olam, had le'hatat. So here she didn't bring it after the first birth. Now nah, she's five in. So the Mishnah says, She can bring one set, meaning had le'olam, had le'hatat, ve'ochilet bizbachim. And that allows her to eat zibachim. Ve'ashe'ar alea choba. And then she owes the other four. Which is, don't think that in order to eat korban again, or to eat kodesh, you've got to be five. No. you got to bring one. I, what about the other four? Oh, you have to bring them. It's a chov. But it's an IOU. It's like when a person becomes tameh. Let's say he became tameh. And then before he became pure, he became tameh again. And then he became tameh a third time. So how many times does he have to go to the mikveh to get the tumah off of him? Once. So similarly over here, the Briska Rav says, in order to eat uh, korban, you need kapara from the tumah. So therefore, you, you got kapara. One korban ready to get your kapara. I, but the Torah says you got to be one, one per. Okay, that's a chobah. But you got to make korban. One gets you the kapara. Right there? Mr. Rav says there's two inyanim in the Qurban. One is inyan of kapara, one is because Hashem said to bring. So the Gemara Hashem said to bring, I owe you, but for kapara, one already brings me kapara, I'm, 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 I'm qualified to eat. Beautiful story. Now we get to the inyan. Ma'asir. She'amdu kinim birushalayim bindidne zahaf. Now, the price of coffee didn't go up in Yerushalayim, but the price of kinim went up. The pigeon uh, sellers, you know, uh, Petland discount. Huh? In those days, they saw, wow, what, what, a, what a business over here. All these ladies are giving birth to boo, And every lady's got to bring a bird at least. And therefore, they started to hike up the prices of the birds. And that's it. They have the market. And how many people sell birds? Like, you know, today, Amazon, you have a guy selling birds. But in those days... You got the limited guys who are selling it, and everybody needs it. They applied the rule that they teach in war in of supply and demand, and therefore supply and demand allows you to demand. Demand and demand. Because there's a demand, you can demand any price you want. That's what I teach the law. Not supply and demand, demand and demand. You demand the product, I demand the price. Very simple. And you're stuck because you need it. And uh, I want to make money. And that's how the economy works. What they didn't know, these uh, pigeon merchants, because again, pigeon merchants are not the biggest, uh, you know, hakam. They didn't know that there's a rabbi called Rabban Shimon Gamliel in the world. And he is able to uh, fix the prices that they will drop. Like Alam Shalom Safra and Min Safra controlled the gold, the gold market. Therefore, any move he did would affect the, the price of gold, you know, in the world. He was controlling. His uh, sneeze, the price went up or down. That's, so there's certain people have, you know, control of the markets. So who was controlling the pigeon market in those days? He had all the uh, you know, the, uh, the, the futures market on pigeons, he was holding all the, uh, you know, all, 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 the, uh, all, all the shares. All the contracts. 
What did he do? Came to the Bet Midrash. You wouldn't think you could solve an economic problem in the Bet Midrash. <laughs> you think economic problem, you got to go to the, to the treasury. You got to go visit, uh, you know, Blinken or one of these, one of these uh, Sadiqi. No. Amar, Rabban Shimon Gamliel, said, Hamaon is it? I swear on this building. Lo alin halayla. I'm not going to sleep tonight. Adchi yu bedinarim until the price falls. Tanat dinre zahav to dinrim. That means I will not sleep until I crash the market. Unbelievable. How's he going to crash the market? What does this rabbi have to do with pigeons and controlling the price? So the Gemara says, Nichnas lebedin, he entered the bedin, vilimed, and he started to teach. Ha'isha sheyesh alea hamesh ledot madaot, a lady that has five pregnancies and she didn't bring any korbanot yet, mevi'ah korban echat ve'ochelet bismachim. She brings one set in order to eat korban ve'en hashar alea choba. And she doesn't have to make up the other four. He changed the law. He changed the law. All of a sudden, boom, quarter of the price. It worked. All those gougers, all of a sudden, he changed the law on them. Now, instead of a lady coming in and saying, I eat five. She came in, I don't need five anymore. And therefore, he got rid of the demand. And once he got rid of the demand, they can't demand a high price anymore because they, 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 they don't need as many. Therefore, and that's a great, great item. So that, you know what? That would be tantamount today. That would be tantamount as the prices of you know, Passover goods went out of hand. The rabbis got together and they said, you know what, this is really out of hand. People can't afford this stuff. We're now making a new law. You can eat hametz on Pesach. That's it. And then, and then, all the guys have this matzah meal. We're going to do this over here. Hametz on Pesach. All right, everyone down already. Now, it's, it's, a, it's a good fix, but you can't matir hametz on Pesach to get the price to, to drop. How did the Ban Gamliel over here, I'm assuming that the Mishnah, when it said, when you have five obligations that you have to pay one and the other four are hova, they learned it from somewhere. There's a source for that. So if there's a source for that, and there is a source for that, by the way. There is a source for that. I mean, the source is, the Gemara says, the Mekor is, if you look in our perasha. In Perek, uh, what is it? Perek Yudbet. Go to Pasuk. Go to Pasuk. I guess what is it? Zion? Yeah. Zot Torah Yuledin, Azachar Nekeba. So the Gemara learns from this Pasuk, Zotura Tayoledet. Hmm. 
Gemara Nedarim, page 3, no, Gemara Kiritu Taftet, the Gemara says, what is Zot Torah Tayyuladet? Melamed shemivim korban echad al-ledot harbe. Yakol, af al-ledah, shilifnei melot al-ledah, shilifnei melot al-ledah, Zot. The Gemara basically says that each, you can bring one korban for many, but the other ones you owe. So they learned it from a pasuk. For every one, you got to bring a korban. Zot Torah. Each one is its own korban. Zot. Which is individual. And the Bagel comes along and says, yeah, that's all fine, but I got to get these prices down. So therefore, you know what? Forget about the, uh, forget about the Gemara. H- how does the Bagel go against a, a Derashah? So I saw a beautiful explanation brought down by the son of the Nitziv. The son of the Nitziv is the Nitziv was Naftali Yehudatz v. Berlin. The son of the Nitziv is another rabbi called Rav Chaim Berlin. And he says a beautiful explanation. He makes the following diuk. Look at Pasuk Zayin. After the Qurban of the Rich lady, what does the pasuk say? Zot torat hayoledet lazachar onekema, which is what? This is the law of the yoledet, the lady gives birth, the onekema. Now, normally, this type of pasuk is at the end of the perasha. After you give me the whole story, zot torat As of high Berlin, it's in the middle of the perasha over here. Because the next person talks about she cannot afford it, she's aniyah. So you middle. The pasuk of Zotorat should have been written after Misofosha Pasukhet. So why does it put it after the Qurbana Ashirah before the Qurbana Aniyah? Sayyidim Hamilton says the Torah is writing it there because it's saying it's true. That if a lady has multiple births and that she has to bring one per birth and she brings one to eat and then she has to bring the other four as a hoba, on which type of lady? On an ashirah. On an ashirah. Because right after the ashirah it said zotunatayoled. However, by an aniyah, the law doesn't apply. The law of Zot was not said on the Aniyah. Therefore, in the Aniyah, she brings one for the five, and Shalom al Yitrael. Came Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, and he said, Oh, you want to play games? Now that the prices went through the roof, now the Gabe birds, everybody's considered an Ani now, because the prices are. Even a rich guy is going to say, what's going on over here? The rich guy even more sometimes. Well, I'm not paying this crazy price for $15 for, for, for a thing of coffee. And therefore, what happens? Now he says, the birds, they're all considered aniim. Once they're all considered aniim, there's no deen of zot. And therefore, he came along with his mehadesh, that now everybody's exempt from being the multiple korbanot. And therefore, the price of birds went down. So he wasn't stopped changing the law. He wasn't coming to say, you can eat Hametz Pesah. He came along, he was Doresh. And he came along, what do you think? Uh, hey, you're going to get me? I'm going to show you in the text 
that the text is going to say you don't have to bring more than one. Why? Because Zotorat Teodah, which is the source pasuk to teach me Zot for each one, was said where? After the Qurban of the Ashirah. And then it says the Aniyah. The Aniyah, you don't have a Zot. So it's not when it comes to Qurban of an Ani or Aniyah, one, one per many. And therefore, since the prices are skyrocketing, everybody has a deen of an Ani, and therefore, no need. And his dirash worked like a charm. So with that, Hashem, I intend to make a speech on Shabbat that we are banning people from drinking coffee, this Pesach, with sugar. And you'll see by Motsa'e Shabbat, they're going to be giving it out. They're going to be giving it out. Buy one, get three feet. They're not going to know what to do with all this excess of coffee. And, and, the, and the difference is, is that obviously Rabbi Mansur does not have uh, any... Uh, proximity of, 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 of influence like Rabban Shimon when Rabban Shimon said a statement and not only that he was confident that it was going to work he said I'm not going to sleep tonight you're going to see and he made a shibuah you know what he know Rabban opens his mouth people shake I'm going to say something they're going to say yeah now what we're going to double they're going to triple the price now we'll show that guy and guess what you know what the people are going to do they'll buy it they'll pay it got a crazy guy who's Rabban Shimon tells me we can't drink coffee It'll backfire on me. It won't backfire on them. Therefore, we don't have the clout. And if I, if I would make that shivwa and say, I'm not going to sleep until, that's it. Uh, then I'm not sleeping for a long time. Then I, then I was but Evan Gabriel, he went to sleep that night, by the way. He had a good sleep because before, before sunset already, the prices went, uh, went down. All right, so that's, that's something that's the current events. And you see it in the Torah. Everything's in the Torah, even the price of coffee. Okay, now let's go. Let's go to the next one. This is a nice piece. Let's go to Perek Yud Gima Pasuk Chapet. Would I say Perek Yud Gima? Chapet. Let's see. Let's see if I'm on the right place over here. Yeah, Pasuk Tet. I'm sorry, Pasuk Tet. Yeah. Nega sarat ki ba'adam. Be'adam. If a, if an adam, maze adam, human, an adam. Nega sarat ki ba'adam, v'huvala kohen, he goes to the kohen. Now, there was a great rabbi called Rav Nissen Alpert, Shalom. He was a Talmud of Rav Moshe Feinstein. And he wrote a uh, beautiful, beautiful commentary on the Chumash. I have it. It's, uh, I have it actually in, uh, in English. The Hedushim of Rav Nissen Alpert. Uh, you know something? I'll pause this for a minute. Uh, if I can go find the book, I'd rather read it inside. I have it in my, uh, in my mind. Why not read it for a little bit? Oh, you can pause it. Pause this. So, I think it's a new recording. All right. Is that okay? Yeah. 
So Rav Nissan Alpert here in <coughs> what parasha is this? Tazria. So he has a nice piece. It says like this. That when you have the word Adam, he has a, uh, a piece from, uh, from the Zohar, and he comes along and says that the word Adam is usually used on a Hashuv person. Adam. I always thought Ish, but he says Adam is already according to the Zohar, a very high level, but Adam. That's a Hashuv, Hashuv title. Right. Adam, Adam Rishon Ki'il. Adam is very significant. So Rabnison asks, he says, over here you're talking about a guy who has Sarah. Now, if he has Sarah, that means either he spoke Lashon Allah, either he's Motsi Shemra, either he has Gava, or either he's a miser, whatever the seven crimes are to get Sarah. So therefore, why would the Torah introduce the, uh, the guy who has Sarat? He's no Adam. He's a, uh, he's a criminal. Understand the question? So he says such a beautiful, beautiful explanation. He says, your mistake is, is that when we want to judge who's considered a hashuv, special, important, significant Adam, we would say that somebody who has no faults. You know, the faultless person, he's the Adam. But the guy who has, you know, iniquities and he has some uh, handicaps and some, uh, you know, some mistakes, eh, not an Adam. Rabbi wrong. The Pasuk says, En Sadiq Ba'aris Asher Ya'aseto Velo Even the biggest Sadiqim, to err is human. You can be a human, you can make mistakes. That does not deter from your status of a Adam. So long as what? So long as that after you make a mistake, you have the desire to correct it. And you seek a rectification and you are asking for advice how to improve. That's an Adam. The pasuk says over here, what makes the guy an Adam? Not that he has Sarat, but the end of the pasuk. Kohen. He goes to the Kohen. And he tells the Kohen, I fell. I spoke Lashon Hara. I maybe didn't behave properly. Now what do I do to get back to the original, to the original good way that I was? That guy is an Adam. The fact that he has Sarat, we don't know what he is at that point. Which means, if he would remain with the tzara'at, then already he's guilty. However, the fact that he's not content with what happened to him, and therefore, it's a cr- when would there be an indictment against him? If he would remain with the tzara'at and not go to the Kohen. But it's laudable. The fact that he, got, that he fell, people fall. What do you do? That was perfect. But the question is now, What's your reaction? If you remain in the fallen state, and therefore you're not interested in making a tikkun, 
by no means you're an Adam. Now you're just a, uh, you know, a commoner. However, if a person has salah, and now it bothers him enough to go to the rabbi and say, Rabbi, listen, I'm a human being. The human side of me caught up with me. And as a result, I did Alib bin Kibbal, and how do I know? I got all the salah all over me. The rabbi comes along and says, well, before I give you the advice, I want to let you know you are an Adam. The fact that you had the courage to come and try to make amends on the, on the bad behavior, this is, a, this is a great accomplishment of a man. So therefore, what makes the Adam an Adam is not necessarily the Tzara'at but it's the Huva'ila Kohen that's brought to the Kohen. And the guy has the, 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 the like I said, the courage, and the, he's not embarrassed. I want to fix myself. And Baruch Hashem, that's a, that's a great lesson. It's okay to sin so long as you have the, you know, it's followed up by a, by a tikkun. Okay. There he is. And now we get to the last, uh, the last entry for today's, uh, for today's offering. Another nice, nice piece. Let's go over here. Simple explanations here, Rabotai. I'm not going to test you on all terminologies of Sada'at, what Baharit is, and what Bohak is, and what Mispahat is. A lot, of, a lot of new words that are not familiar to our members are in this week's Perasha. I'm not going to challenge you on explaining me the words, but there is. Also, a lot of procedures that take place in the parasha that we have to discuss. So let's read the um, let's read the pasuk over here. The pasuk says that the guy's got this sarat on his on his body. Now open up pasuk dalit. Perik, you give a pasuk dalit. Just tell me how you learned. Okay, Nani, it's pasuk. Perik, you give a pasuk dalit. Min baheret lebanahi. It's the baheret, the version of it. White. The orbesaro, it's on its flesh. The amok in and it doesn't look uh, deeper than the regular flesh, doesn't have that image. And the white hair, the hair in the middle did not turn white, which is a sign of Tum'ah, didn't turn white. So what does the Pasuk say? The Kohen, after making his initial uh, Assessment, if he doesn't see any signs of, tum- of Tum'ah, he's not allowed to say initially, you're tahor. He's got to wait. So what does he do? Okay, explain it. What does it mean, the Kohen has to do a process of the Hizkir. Again, the Hizkir sounds like it comes from the word Sagar, to close... So Rashi comes along and explains it to me. Vizgir, yaskirenu bebayit echad. Oh, so you have to put him in a house. Velo yira'eh ad sofa shavua. Which we would call in the modern vernacular quarantine. So that's it. CDC rules. You got to stay home for seven days. Let's see, let's see if it develops. Let's see if it turns into full-blown uh, COVID. Or is it a, you know, or is it a, uh, or is it stop? Maybe stop, maybe it's just a cold. 
Now, if he took the, the shot, then you know it's COVID. <laughs> then you have a hazaka. If you took the shot, then for sure it's COVID. But if you didn't take the shot, again, I have a safik. You got to wait seven days just to see if it develops. But I have no opinions regarding the, uh, the shots. No public opinions. Ask your doctor. <laughs> All right, so what happens over here? So that she sounds like it's very pashut. So Vizkir is going on what? The guide. Comes the Kitab Kabbalah. It's the same we've been using uh, of late. Beautiful uh, commentary on the Torah. And he says, Vizkir, Yaskirenu bebayetechad. Ve'atur katab b'shem Abib Rosh. The tour writes from his father, the Rosh. He's with all the respect to Rashi. I studied the whole Masechet Negaim, and nowhere does it say that you got to lock the guy up in the house. After the first, uh, after the first meeting. So I don't know what you're talking about. V'gam ha-pasuk omer v'hizkir ha-nega. Look at the pasuk. The pasuk's language is According to Rashi, the Pasuk should say, right. Nagua is the guy. The Nega is the, the blemish. So therefore he says, I don't know what Rashi say. Where did you see this Pasuk that you're making a Hesger on the guy? Okay, but. The Rosh says, but what does that mean? So what, you, have to t- you, you cut the nega, you take the blemish up and you stick it in a, in a, in a, in a vault? <laughs> so she says, Demashma makoma nega midelo kamara nagua. Upirusho she sarik laasot roshem sevivata nega lerot impasa. One of the signs of tum'ah is if the tzara'at spreads. How are you going to know if it spreads? So you have to make markers. So the Rosh learns, like the Pasuk says, He makes a, he takes his medical uh, pen out and he makes a circle, or today we call markers, around the, you know, the area. And that'll make it easier for him that next week when he comes, he sees that it crossed the line or not. So he'll know. It's, it's easy determination for, uh, for spreading. It's the unbelievable shot in the... Kedahazidam b'negeharosh. If anybody learned the parasha, we have this concept in the parasha by negeharosh. By negeharosh, that's a guy who has, not dandruff, but he has something on his head. So the Torah says that at a certain point, you make a border of hair around it, in order to know if it passes that border. So you see by Nikairosh, you're making an imaginary, not imaginary, but a border of hair for that purpose. So the Rosh is trying to show you it's not such a foreign thing that I'm telling you. That every, even the she agrees. By Nikairosh, you made that border of hair around the, around the nega to see if it spreads. So therefore, what's the difference? Shemuvar Remember, means you cut around the nega, but you leave hair there to see the, to make a border. You leave two hairs around it 
So you'll know if it passes him. Who are these? Mishani Gaim. Ba'inu esged dekra. Okay, that's it. So you all sit here and say, he got him. The Rosh got Rashi. Look at that. That's a knockout. He knocked him out. He says, first of all, we don't see anywhere in in, in the Ga'im, a second of the game, that you have to quarantine the guy. And uh, the Basuk doesn't say you quarantine the guy, it says you quarantine the nega. So therefore, you already discounted Rashi. He blew it. But give Rashi the benefit of the doubt that he learned Masik in the Ga'im. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he even gave a Perusha Masik in the Ga'im. There is Perusha Shia Masik in the Ga'im, as far as I know. And he knows the difference between the word nega and nagua also. You know, that's, that's uh, grammar 101. You don't got to be a, uh, you know. He says, first of all, the first question of the Rosh, she didn't say you have to quarantine him either. Where does she say, lock the door? The Pasuk doesn't say, doesn't say that. By the way, we know the Torah knows how to use the word if it wants to, like it says in Shofetim. So therefore, you can't ask me, oh, and the guy we never saw a mandatory quarantine. I didn't say to quarantine him. And what is he saying? He says, by the way, it's permissible for the for the for the Mitzvah to go to the Bet Knesset. With a mask on, of course. He, he knows that they even let the Mitzvah come to Shul. come to Shul. Why not? I'm come to Shul. What's the problem? I came with Mitzvah. Today they kill him. Then again, the guy comes and sneezes, they say, you uh, you on the guy. Forget about it, it's not coming to shoot. All they did was they closed the door. Basically, they tell the guy, stay home. Listen, we know what you have. Recommend it, Zach, stay home, close the door. No, it wasn't anything major. She we don't want his door to be open. Olden days, he used to sit with the door open, like Bradley Beach. The door used to be open. People come in and out. Don't do that anymore. We want the people to know he's not feeling well. You know, you're not, uh, he's under the weather. He's Because uh, they're going to come in, you have a problem. So therefore, all that she said is not, nothing against Masichet Negaim. He knows he can leave the house. He didn't have to quarantine him. You, Rosh, understood that she, Viskiro, oh, So you know, oh, quarantine him, close the windows, lock the doors, put the alarm on. And the, she didn't say that. This kid, you just have to shut the door so it's known to the people that the guy's going through, uh, you know, the guy has something. And he proves it. He proves it. He says, When it came to Miriam, so what happened to Miriam? She got sarat on her body right away. She did not need an assessment. She was at submitzora'at immediately, correct? So therefore, according to the Rosh, would there be any need to make a marker around the tzara'at of Miriam? No. But what does the Pasuk say? V'ketuvah tesagir Miriam. So if the Rosh is right, 
that Hesker means Sigirat Nega, why would there be an Inyan of Hesker Etzel Miriam? She was a Mitzurat Vada'it. You don't need to make a marker to see if it spreads. To see if it spreads means it's pending and you need to know if it spreads to make a Tameh. But if it's Vada'i, and it's Elah Wasfachat, like Rashi. Moshe said, go in the house, stay home, but the Seger. See, see how we're turning the, we're turning the, before you were all, Rosh, Rosh, Rosh. Now you're all, Rashi, Rashi, Rashi. See, this is always two sides. There's always two sides. Hachamim were weighing the two stadim over here. Gam Yishladakdek. According to the Rosh, we have another question, he says. Halakha. Kohen number one comes and makes his assessment and he says, pending, I don't know. Pending, I don't know. See you in a week. The Kohen number one dies. Now they got to send another Kohen. Automatic, pure. Because the second Kohen, it says, is not going to know if it's spread or not because he doesn't know what the first guy saw. Esterav. But according to the Rosh that you made markers, why is that law applicable? Even if the first Kohen died, the second Kohen will know exactly where it was. So from that law that a Kohen that dies cannot be followed up by a second Kohen shows you that his kid was not markers, Ella must be, close the door. So beautiful. But what's the last question you have on Nashi? The biggest question. It doesn't say Vizkira Kohen etanagua. It says Vizkira Kohen etanega. Now what? How are you going to get around that? That's a good one. That's a good question. So he says like this. It's unbelievable the, the bikiut that these rabbis had in Pesukim and Tanakh. He says like this. It's not a ta'ana al-Rashi. It's not a ta'ana. Ki kemo shemechanim et ha'adam api ma'asav. We nickname a person according to his deeds. For example, a person who is deceitful and he's filled with all trickery and chicanery, the Navi says, Shiftecha betoch mirma. Shiftecha. You dwell not amongst uh, uh, deceit, but mirma means people that are deceitful. Shiftecha betoch mirma. It calls the deceitful person deceit. He is mirma. Because that's what he's involved in. And it was since he's involved in Minamah, he be, the Nabi refers to him as what? You are a piece of Minamah. A shtick Minamah, like they say in Yeshiva. Yeah, you become a piece of Bahailiv. He's a Minamah. What does David Amelech say about somebody who is immersed in prayer all day? So you would say, he's a mitpalel. No. David says, Vani tefillah. <laughs> I become. A tefillah, because that's what I am. That's my essence. Your essence becomes the item that you're involved in. So the Rav comes along and says, Kim a guy that 
is now involved, that he has a nega. You know what he is called? If he can be called the mirma, if he can be called the tefillah, he's called the nega. And, and some of you are shaking your heads in disbelief. And you're saying, come on, come on. He says, I won't bring you what I have from Mirma, and I won't bring you what I have from Tehillim, Bani Tefillah. I'll bring you what I have from the Pesukim themselves. Look further in the Pesukim. Go to uh, a Pasuk, which again needs its own understanding, but go to the Pasuk, uh, Yudgima. Yudgima, Yudgima, Yag Yag. You remember the law that says if the tzarat covers his whole body, what's the law on that? Kulo hafach lavam tahoru. Which is an amazing thing. If, the, if his whole body becomes filled with tzarat, he's tahoru. That's Rabbi Shemshah Father Hirsch proves from there that you see tzarat is not a physical malady. Because if it was something that was contagious and a physical malady, the more disease you have, the more problematic it should be. And here it's the opposite. The more you have, the less you're tahor. The more you're tahor, I mean. So therefore, but look at the pasuk. Read the pasuk. We have the text in front of Vera'ah kohen. keseta hasara'at et kol besaro. The tzara'at covered his whole body. V'tihar etanaga kulo hafach lavan. Oh, so what does this mean over here? V'tihar etanaga. Oh, what is V'tihar etanaga? The pasuk is saying over here, V'tihar etanaga kulo hafach lavan. Over here it's referring to the Naga. What does it mean, the Naga? So says the Rav, Tava Kabbalah. He says, V'simuchim mamash, look at Pasuk Mechila, look at Pasuk Yudbet, V'im parawah tifrachat sara'at ba'or, if the sara'at spreads, V'chiseta sara'at et kol or hanega, and it covers oh. All of the flesh of the nega. No, no, coming all the flesh. The nega doesn't have a head to a toe. It says miroshobat raglav. The nega has a head and a toe. Ma perush when it says vechisetat sarat it kol or hanega miroshobat raglav. Ela yisim over that the nega means what the naguwa. And why is he called the nega? Because he is the nega, that's what he's involved in now. And therefore he says, for the same way you could call the nagua a nega in this pasuk you'd bet, the pasuk says, vizgiro et nega, meaning it's the nagua. Just showing you that you could have over here one pasuk, and you could have so many different ways of looking at the same, and both sound convincing. Which means if I had to present you the rosh, before we've defended the rashi, you'd say he's right. Ah, you got my vote for that, that Rosh on this one. You got to give credit to Rosh. He, he, he nailed that one. And then when you see the defense of Rashi, you come along and say, oh, he sounds perfect to me. Everything is answered. He didn't say lock the door. Nega can mean the guy. 
And uh, we have all these questions. So now already this, the pendulum goes back and now she's caught. But guess what? The Rosh can answer all those questions, I'm sure. As well. So therefore, it comes out that whatever these Vishonim are arguing, they, they, they're all sensible and they all had the same questions and they all were able to reconcile the questions. What was more mistaber to them was this way or that way, but they didn't miss the blatant questions. They all... The, the, the Rashi was well aware of the Rosh's problems, and obviously that she had ways to answer it. And the Rosh understood what the problems in Rashi's perush, if we opted to learn differently. But ultimately, it's like Elu Ve'elu, you could say. Or both have sound uh, you know, ways to learn it. All right, that's, that's our uh, offering, at least for today. Uh, Baruch Hashem, we have some clearer understanding in uh, this uh, perashah. Baruch Hashem. Amen.